Welcome back to Beyond Strength and Endurance, episode two of programming. Today we're going to talk about the question that you need to ask yourself with your programming of, are your coaches allowed to coach? I mean, look, the best programming in the world will not work if it is not executed well. Sets, reps, movements, percentages, the workout format and time domains, they're only as good as they are implemented and coached. Um, on the other hand, the way things are programmed should not only uh, have proven methods for continued improvement, uh, but also provide a format that creates opportunities for your coaches to coach. Uh, so we're going to dive into five things here that you can evaluate with your programming or when programming uh, to ensure that you are putting your coaches in uh, the best situation to be successful. The number of new movements. This general concept here is looking at if you're spending all of your time always teaching new movements, then that really doesn't leave any time to actually coach them. <laughs> I mean, I've used this example before, but back in high school sports, we used something called bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, there were three main lifts, squat, bench, clean. Um, and there were some auxiliary movements, but those were the three main lifts. And sometimes this plan got criticism because it was, you know, man, there's so many other movements you could be doing. Um, but the person that created, you know, simply replied to that of, I mean, look, instead of spending a ton of time on different movements, only to end up mediocre at best at all of them, why not spend time fine-tuning these three movements and become great at them? Uh, I mean, think about that. I mean, if you do a movement consistently, that movement will get better. Um, yes, Captain Obvious, that might, <laughs> might sound that way, but, but think about that. I think sometimes the constantly varied portion in, in the description of CrossFit can lead a lot of programmers to just continuously introducing new movements from day to day and week to week. This requires the coach to spend so much of their time just always teaching a new movement instead of helping each me member consistently get better at movements that were already previously implemented. So remember, variation can occur over the entire training year while still doing four to eight week training cycles within the annual plans. Um, the biggest way, uh, you know, in the Metcon or the WAD, Yes, you kind of want to mix that up, and I get that. Um, but in that first section of class, or when you're really trying to push the envelope on strength or developing skills or Olympic lifts, that is why it's important to go through training cycles where we are consistently getting those movements within the training cycle. So we might have to introduce the new movement at the beginning, but now we can actually progressively work to get into, you know, at first the, the bigger uh, details and then the finer details as the training cycle goes on. So uh, keep that in mind that, uh, yes, you can introduce new movements over different cycles and throughout the training year, but if you are just constantly putting in new movements from day to day and week to week, uh, then you're really just teaching the new movement, not really being able to coach it and therefore uh, really move the needle on making that movement better. Open-ended versus controlled time. You know, during that first section when you're doing strength, Olympic lifting or skills or anything like that, is there an allotted amount of time or specific work and rest times planned for each set? Uh, in my early days as a strength coach, I was working with several um, different sports teams and they would have you know anywhere from 20 to 40 kids on a team. Uh, I learned very quickly that if I didn't plan exact times for everything, it, I mean, honestly, it always just turned into a shit show. Um, I mean, you know, if you were supposed to do uh, two different movements and five sets, so a total of 10 sets and you know, some groups would be with done with everything in five or six minutes, while others were only on, uh, you know, the second or third set. Um, so instead of 
you know, saying, hey, today we're doing, you know, whatever it is, uh, five sets of five on back squat and leaving that open-ended. We've talked about in other episodes about some people just can't lift heavy enough to necessitate rest, so they're just going to blow through those five sets and then be standing there uh, while other people are only on their second set. So um, giving specific times, and this could be multiple different ways. It could be just a time block, at least saying, you know, hey, we have 15 minutes to get this done. Uh, If you leave that kind of open-ended there, then I would definitely say, you know, we're looking to get a set done every so often or whatnot to keep people kind of flowing together. Um, A lot of times I like to use something very specific. So if we did have 10 sets, um, I might say, hey, we're going to do a set every two minutes for 20 minutes. Uh, The other thing you can do is is partner people up. Uh, Even if you have enough bars or squat racks or, or whatever you're utilizing, if you partner people up, then that can help control time too, because then, you know, partner one has to go. We might have to do a weight change or whatnot, and then partner two goes. So at least they're getting some rest in between, but that's also, you know, extending the time frame from which to get those sets done. Um, so really, if you, you, you need to go with these controlled times um, or controlled work to rest ratios when you program, because it's uh, several important things are going to occur. I mean, A, everyone stays on task. Uh, B, you know, everyone completes their sets at the same time. So we're, you know, moving through at the same pace. Um, you know, it allows the coach to have a controlled setting to specifically coach each athlete. I mean, if we're, this is what we're talking about. Does your programming allow coaches to coach? And so if people are just kind of left to kind of do whatever, it can just kind of turn into chaos. It's hard for a coach to uh, look around and, and actually watch someone do a set and then be able to coach them on that. If we know you know, the specific times, if it's every two minutes or every minute, um, as a coach, you can kind of treat this as a coaching imam, I like to call it. So if we were going every minute or every two minutes and I have 15 people in class, I can say, hey, in this first minute, I'm going to watch this person only or maybe a couple people, give them specific coaching cues. And then the next minute, I'm going to get to other people in class. And so it really just keeps the flow of class organized, keeps everybody together, um, gets the proper rest they need to hurt, uh, hit the certain percentages or intensity they're doing. Um, so it's just, it's best in my opinion to uh, make sure you are giving them uh, as much direction as possible um, so that everybody stays kind of on the same um, time frame, uh, easier to coach that way, better flow in class and things like that. Total work time within a class. Uh, within a typical one hour class, there honestly should be no more than 30 minutes of actual work uh, time programmed uh, on the high end. But honestly, I've kind of found a sweet spot of 25 to 27 minutes of actual work time uh, within the class. So that's, you know, when we're lifting or doing Olympic lifts or when we get to the Metcon or WAD. You know, there has to be time given for warm-up, uh, transition in between sections. If we're putting away barbells or dumbbells or getting out barbells or dumbbells or boxes or uh, whatever we need for uh, the workout. But it also gives coaches time to actually coach. Uh, I mean, if you are just filling that hour with so many things, then the coach honestly can't do anything except just manage it. Uh, they're just trying to get people through the sections and, and you know making sure they don't wreck themselves, but that doesn't allow them time to actually coach. Um, I mean, simply demonstrating a movement is not coaching. You know, if that's all you're going to do, you might as well just have a, you know, a whatever, a TV up there that just is demonstrating the movements. Um, I mean, yes, obviously we need to show the movements uh, to those people and the the key points of it, but most importantly, you're there to coach. 
you've got to show the movement, but then you also have to coach them to improve their technique um, and efficiency on that movement. So um, once again, I've talked about so many long Metcons and so like, and look, I mean, yes, we're doing some type of special occasion like Murph or another named workout or 12 days of Christmas around that time of year. Like, yes, of course, that's going to be, you know, a longer workout, um, longer than 30 minutes. And, and there's time and there's time and a place for that. But in a typical class, you cannot just jam pack it so much that a coach is just doing everything they can to just keep people on time, on task, and, you know, just demonstrating movements. I mean, that's, that's not allowing them to coach. And that ultimately is what people are coming to the gym for. They want to be coached on how to get better, how to keep, you know, stay healthy, how to get stronger, how to get more fit. So you've got to allow time for your coaches to actually coach within a class period. Individual specific class programming. What are you providing for your coaches besides just scaling options? Uh, I mean, having someone work on drills for a ring muscle up when they do not even have the strength to do a single pull up, honestly, in my opinion, is a complete waste of their time and yours. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, going over the basic mechanics of something like a toe to bar for someone who can already string together 20 plus unbroken, once again, is just not the best use of their time and yours. I mean, look, Yes, anybody can benefit from the basics and going back to those uh, basic technical things, but um, there's just a better way you can go about it. So, you know, we'll use the, t- use the toe to bar example. I mean, if you're programming that we're, we're working on this skill today and maybe working on uh, building more on broken reps and you program that we're doing whatever, an EMOM where you're doing, let's say for the sake of this, 20 seconds of, of max unbroken um, toes bar. For the people that can do that, it doesn't mean we're not going to coach them. You can still give those people coaching cues and points to go over, obviously, um, and they need that and want that. But a little less attention can be spent with those people. What For the people who cannot do a toe bar, just simply having them get up there and do hanging knee raises, is that really helping them get towards actually doing a toe bar at some point? Or are we actually going to take those people and get up on the bar and say, okay, you know, we're going to work on our kip swing and control of that, um, you can do something like elevating toes to bar where we're slowly working on getting higher. But that's actually coaching them and being uh, individual specific within the class. And this is something that with our affiliate programming, we really try to do. you you got to give people more than just a scaling option if you are going to collectively meet each member where they're at and progress them forward from there. The why behind the what. Are your coaches learning or are they just implementing? The difference in that is if they're just taking what you've programmed at face value and just then now, you know, dictating that to the members, we're just doing sets and reps. That's all you're explaining. We have to understand why we are doing certain movements, um, why certain formats are being used or how everything goes together. Um, I mean, once again, with our affiliate programming, we're sending out, this is what we're going to focus on in this cycle this is what we're going through, and this is how things build. So that if the coach knows the why behind the what, now they can effectively communicate that to members. And it is our job as programmers, and therefore to enable our coaches to educate people as well. The why behind what they're doing and why we're doing a certain drill, what this is going to help, uh, honestly, it helps with buy-in, um, and it can help their focus because now they understand why we're doing uh, what we're doing instead of just if it's some difficult drill or something, then they might get frustrated because it's like, what are we even doing this for? 
So that's very important. I mean, it, it, it might sound silly, but something as simple as when we're going over technique of a squat clean, I've said this out loud to classes that, hey, a squat clean, once you get your technique dialed in, is made, the technique of that is, is to help you lift more weight. Because as the weight gets heavier, the barbell is not coming up as high, so we have to be able to get under the weight. The squat clean is not, not just to be a jerk and make the, the movement more difficult. It's to actually help them do more weight as they get that technique dialed in. So um, it's very important to explain why we're doing things, why we're going on this training cycle, what this training cycle is going to help. If we're doing specific drills to work on technique, what specific thing is this drill working on? Because different drills are meant to do different things. Um, you know, if we're working on something like high pulls, it might sound silly, but some people don't understand why we're doing a high pull. Well, that high pull is to help, you know, getting those elbows up and back before we receive the barbell. So those things might be, uh, sound very simple, but the more you can dive into the reasons why we're doing things and, and get your coaches to understand that, then it is their job to dictate that to members. And it's going to help them be able to coach more effectively because now everyone understands why we're doing these things and what it is meant to help and improve. And you'll just get a much better class experience with that. And honestly, much uh, steady improvements because uh, people can focus on the work at hand because they know why uh, they're doing it. Going beyond. You know, what we are doing here in programming and coaching goes so far beyond the sets, the reps, the movements, all those things. You know, I've mentioned it before, coaches are not lifeguards. They're, they're not just there to make sure everyone stays safe. Yes, of course, that's an important part of it. Coaches are not cheerleaders. They're not there just to shout motivational sayings at people. Um, and yes, that, that all helps uh, create a kick-ass class experience. You know, they're not fitness observers. They're not there just to watch people <laughs> fitness, okay? They're not managers. Um, they're not there just to, you know, make sure everyone, everyone gets through everything. Coaches are coaches. Um, so you need to take a deep look at your programming to make sure and ask yourself the question, does your programming allow them to be that? Um, and that's what we're, we're going over today. So uh, as I mentioned before, programming is an art and a science, and there's so much more behind it when you really dive into it. And this should be something as a programmer that uh, you are taking into consideration because it's so much more uh, than just looking at things and taking them at face value.